you doing? Downright balmy out there. Over zero now. I like that. Go Vikings. I'm still wrapped up in that. I know I'm watching the football game up here, but I'll tell you, one of my heroes is sitting next to me now in studio with me, my hero, Lee McGrath, Institute for Justice. Hi, Lee. Hi, Sue. Great to be with you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I love Institute for Justice. I love the work you do. And in a second, I'm going to have you catch everyone up on that. I want to welcome Nan, who's sitting next to you. Hi, Nan. Thanks for having me on, Sue. I can't wait to hear your story, Nan. I really can't because I love wine. Well, I love beer and I love liquor, too. So, I mean, I like to consume adult beverages and I would drink Minnesota wine all the time. But I think we have to make it a little bit better and then I'll drink more of it. And Sounds I'm good at me. really thrilled to hear you were the first winery in Minnesota. Correct. I love that. Good for you. Uh, I can't wait to hear your story. We'll get to that in just a second. So back to you, my hero, Lee McGrath. Welcome. And what have you been up to, you and IJ? We've been suing the government, Sue. Yay! That's why I love you guys. Remind the listeners again what the Institute for Justice is, what they do, what you do. So we sue the government, and we have very competitive rates. We don't charge our clients any money to represent them. <laughs> All the better. So we look for great cases that extend constitutional protections for Minnesotans and Americans across the nation. And, Lee, when did I.J. come to Minnesota? I.J. came to Minnesota in 2005. And so we've, we're up over almost, uh, we're going to be celebrating our 13th year this uh, this year. I met you in 2006, and I think we've been best friends since. Well, I feel the same <laughs> same way. We met we met over property rights. We did. We, we met because the Institute for Justice is famous for losing a case at the Supreme Court. They never should have lost that we, case. That was a travesty. It was, but... Because we lost that eminent domain case in 2005 before the Supreme Court, millions of Americans now understand how ruthless city planners can be when they collude with private developers to take people's private property, not for a road or a government building, but instead using eminent domain for private economic development. Take their land away. Take their land away, like they did in uh, in the northwest corner of New Brighton. Yes, New Brighton loved eminent domain. Oh my gosh, they used it on I want to say over ten different pieces of property. Yeah, I, what got me in politics, Lee, was eminent domain in New Brighton, and I fought for a cement company. And people are like, why are you so upset over a cement company? I go, because property rights is the cornerstone. If you don't have property rights, you don't have anything. If you don't have property rights, you can't build a business, you can't grow grapes, you can't uh, build a a winery. So at its core, all your labor gets converted into property. And those rights, that property should should be defended. And that's what we do. Fortunately, after losing that Supreme Court case... 44 states, including Minnesota, converted their laws. Now, it took a little time, Sue. Too long. To, I think we fought over that, Lee. We did fight <laughs> over that. But it was, it was, the bill was enacted right. in 2006, went fully into effect by 2011. And since, I was mad about that. I know you are. You still are. <laughs> I still am. You're right. I still am. <laughs> but since going now on seven years... No one in Minnesota has lost their property by eminent domain for someone else's private economic development. Huge win. 
a big win. Huge win. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you to IJ. And you've been in to talk about a couple other mm-hmm. cases, well, a few other, more than a few other cases, whether it was pumpkins or hair braiding or horse teeth or, uh, oh, Fourth Amendment down in Red Wing. That was another big one. Tell us a couple more. So the big thing that we continue to do is fight against red tape. Red tape that blocks entrepreneurs like you mm-hmm. and like Nan uh, Bailey from pursuing their calling, from re- from realizing, from human flourishing, from realizing their their dreams. And so, when the government gets in the way, we like to sue them. I love it. I love it that you sue them. Um, what other cases do you have going on? So, this well, the legislation legislative sessions coming up too, and you must have some priorities there. We we do, and uh, so be, uh, most of our efforts at IJ are defending uh, defending people in the courtrooms and defending them in the court of public opinion. <clears throat> but additionally, every once in a while, we go knock on the legislature, the, the doors of state legislators, and we have a unique message. Please do less. (laughs) I love it. And so we are asking them to repeal certain occupational licensing laws, to set up processes so as to review what is the biggest labor institution in Minnesota, which is occupational licensing. You talked earlier in the show about the minimum wage. I know. And how it drives you nuts. But in reality, only about 2% of Minnesotans earn the minimum wage. Right. By contrast, 15 need the government's, 15% need the government's permission before they can go to work. That is so wrong. It is wrong because there's no justification for it anymore. Consumers don't need and don't value a piece of paper hanging on the wall from some agency. Right on their phones, they have the provider's reputation. They know who's good like Dan Bailey at Alexis Bailey, they know who's not so good. They can judge quality. They can judge value. They have the information that they never had before right. that was may have once justified regulations, but today doesn't. Yeah, it's it's crazy when you see all this stuff. So, so does IJ focus on a certain segment? I know you work on school choice. I know you work on property rights. What are the basic areas? The big four. Big so, four. We talked about property rights. Yeah. Eminent domain put us on the map, and we continue to lobby and litigate against civil asset forfeiture. That was the one I was going to ask you about. Do you think that's going to happen this year? I think it. I think it is. I think it is. There's a lot of interest in reforming, continuing the reforms that have been enacted in Minnesota. In Minnesota, a certain state legislature legislator has resigned. And Tony that, Cornish. And that means... See ya, Tony. That means... And, that, and don't get me wrong. I like Tony. I never had any problem with Tony. But I, but him and I disagreed on civil asset forfeiture. Well, very, he wanted the money for the police officers, right? $9 million a year. And so so that was a mistake. Uh, I think now, with Representative Cornish's retirement, uh, there may be some more open eyes and open ears to bigger reforms as it relates to civil asset forfeiture. I think he sent a letter to all the legislators telling him, um, hey, next legislative session, keep this in mind. But, Lee, I'm in. I'll help you. I'll help you. Because that makes me so mad how government can come and take your stuff, even when you haven't been convicted of anything. The, the, The image that law enforcement agencies like to paint is that they're stopping international drug cartel members. The reality is quite different. 
the reality is that the average forfeiture in Minnesota is $1,600. It's not some drug mule driving west on Interstate 90 returning to Mexico with hundreds of thousands of dollars wrapped in plastic, sealed, concealed in a, in a truck. It's hurting 20 people a day, 7,000 forfeitures a year. A lot of them, there's no reason for them, people, to go into court. They just, the money is too small, what's been taken from right. it, and they don't fight back. Right. I'd fight back. If it was a dollar, I'd fight back. I'd fight back for every dime of it. It's just crazy. And School Choice coming up next week. School Choice, National School Choice uh, Week. Look at the website of Opportunity for All Kids Minnesota. Wait, what was that? Opportunity for All Kids Minnesota. Okay. And you'll see some great events at the Capitol and around the Twin Cities uh, advocating for putting public money in the backpacks of children and so the parents can send them to the school of their choice. We have to. I'm, I'm not kidding you. The schools in Minneapolis and St. Paul should be shut down. Shut down. They've failed generation after generation of kids. We have to have school choice. I'm in, Lee. I'll help on that one, too. All right, Sue. Two, All right. Two, two. Yep. Wait, what was the website? Opportunity for All Kids, Minnesota. Opportunity for All Kids, Minnesota. Got it. Okay, I'm in. I'll help. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear Nan's story. Can't wait. Stay tuned. Lots more coming. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go Vikings. I know. I'm Viking obsessed today. I can't help it. And I have football in front of me here. And all I can think about is that game tomorrow. I'm so excited. I wore my Viking hat and my Viking mittens and saving the good stuff for tomorrow. Now I'm wishing I had some of Nan's wine, but you know, it's plenty of time. Plenty it's of time. purple. Oh my gosh. Oh, perfect then. There you go. <laughs> uh, Lee McGrath is, is with, I brought Lee McGrath and Nan in today. We're talking about the Institute for Justice. Love them. They sue government. How could you not love an organization like that? Um, so Nan's your plaintiff. How yeah. did you find Nan? Where did she come from? In a minute, I want to hear Nan's story. Well, it's, but it's, it's pretty darn easy. You just look for the best winemaker and the first winemaker. The when, first one. When you're looking to bring a case where the state of Minnesota is clearly violating the Constitution. the Constitu- One of the reasons that it was written at the end of the uh, 18th century was to create interstate trade. Right. Minnesota is is violating that when it comes to grapes. What do you mean? It's saying to Nan and to other vineyards in Minnesota, you have a limit, a ceiling of the percentage of grapes that you can bring in from California, from France, from Canada, from other other states. That's ridiculous. It's it is ridiculous. It makes for bad wine. And it's unconstitutional. I've had some bad wine. Have you? Yeah, from Minnesota. I've never had your brewery or your winery, I don't think. I would have remembered if I had, um, because I would have known it was the first one in the state of Minnesota. And when you think of Minnesota, your first thought isn't exactly, oh, I think I'll have some Minnesota wine. Uh, Nan, tell us a little bit about how you got into the business and some of the trials and tribulations of owning a winery in Minnesota. Alexis Bailey Vineyards, the first winery uh, set up by my father back in 1972. 
Oh, wow. So uh, on the backs of his six children, he thought he could live out his fantasy to grow grapes in Minnesota and have a winery. But my father didn't have any unrealistic ideas about growing grapes in a climate that really is not conducive to it. There's a small group of lesser-known hybrids that were developed in France. Uh, make a long story short, they used a native species of grape uh, from the Midwest, Minnesota, called Vitus riparia. When my father found that the French were making wine from this uh, sort of an offshoot of this native Minnesota grape, he went, hey, pfft, we're in. Grapes in Minnesota. <laughs> I got six kids. Put them out in the vineyard. <laughs> so 1973, planted a vineyard with the idea of making wine. 1976, built our winery. 1978, we started selling wine. But my father was a lawyer. In fact, he practiced right across the street uh, from here in the oh. Park National Bank building. Um, his idea was just to have fun on the weekends. Keep your kids, kids busy. Well, first year, uh, he won a gold medal out of New York State for one Whoa. of his wines. Um, we had a relationship with a family in the Loire Valley in France. I was a middle child. I thought, hey, I'll go to France and learn how to make wine. My dad's like, you want to be a winemaker? Go to France. I wish I knew you back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, my father ended up uh, dying at a very young age. And uh, I took over the winery, and I couldn't make it as a hobby. I needed to make it as a business. So as a business owner, uh, it wasn't going to be my father's winery anymore. I had to actually make it a business. So dealing with the restrictions that the government, I, I'm regulated by seven different government agencies. Wait a minute. Okay, oh, you're yeah. in Hastings, oh, right? Yeah. Hastings. Mm -hmm. Seven different government I've got the agencies. federal government, then I've got the state government. Now I've got the FDA. The F FDA just started regulating us. They want to regulate us. That's another show, Why? Sue. <laughs> they want to regulate me as though I'm a food handler. Like of course they do. Of course and, they uh, do. Just to give you an example, uh, we had to get a waiver to put our wine in a wood barrel it's so ridiculous that's pretty ridiculous but like i said that's another show so oh, nan you're for, for sure me, coming back yeah <laughs> for sure for me as a winemaker and a grape grower looking at the realities of even what my father started he knew that it wasn't uh very practical to grow grapes in minnesota we were very definitely crossing nature's boundaries so for the state to have a regulation that i have to use minnesota grapes leaves me very little choice with my winemaking well i remember when that happened nan and i remember we thought it's the most when they put that little mm -hmm. clause in there we thought it's the most ridiculous thing we've ever seen but we're just so happy to get wineries that okay let's go well, we are an agricultural state, and the idea to promote a new agricultural business is valid. Right. But it isn't realistic with the choices we have in grapes. Uh, Why would they do that to you? To promote agriculture. And I also think that there is a misconception out there amongst a lot of people, even people who are growing grapes and uh, planting vineyards. I've been growing grapes longer than anybody in the state. We're over 40 years, and I can tell you that, you know, no business should be able to tolerate the sort of losses that I have as a farmer. I mean, one in every three years, I'm going to lose most of my crop. Two in every three years, I'm going to lose a high percentage. Oh. Uh, those are numbers that, I mean, tell Cargill, you know, 
hey, deal with losing your corn crop, you know, every few years. Right. I can't do that as a commercial business. I have no choice but to look for another source for my fruit. Every year I need to sell a product. And if my vineyard isn't producing, I've got to look somewhere else. Right. So to have the state tell me, okay, well, but you can only look this far restricts my freedom as a winemaker. Um, and I'm kind of done with it. So who did you end up fighting with? How did you end up finally figuring out that I need to have the Institute for Justice come in and we're going to take this to court? We're going to sue the government. Well, I do come from a family of lawyers. And my brother, <laughs> I heard you say your dad was a lawyer. My brother is a lawyer and he's always told me it's unconstitutional that if I ever wanted to fight it, he'd back me up. Um, he also would have been pro bono. Uh, but fortunately, I um, was privileged to have the Institute for Justice uh, call me up on the phone and say, hey, we believe that this is an important case for us to try. And I agreed with them. And here we are. And here you are. I had it's the weirdest thing, Nan. I we had a case from 2010 where we sued the state of Minnesota over an overbroad uh, election law and it was in the uh, inside the precinct when you go in to vote and we lost at the state level and we lost at the um, down in St. Louis and a person from another great organization like Institute for Justice read a newspaper article about us losing called us up and said hey we'll defend you February 28th we are in front of the United States Supreme Court I'm so excited I can hardly stand it. Every time I talk to Lee or send him an email or whatever, I'm like, I'm so excited I can hardly stand it. And he's excited for me, too, because he knows how big that is, how few cases make it there. I think this is a case. Don't you think, Lee, you're going to win this outright? Oh, this case, Renan, we are, we are just waiting for the decision. It was argued uh, in federal court on December 7th. We think the let black letter law of the constitution says you cannot block trade the state of minnesota is blocking, blocking trade. trade and it cannot tell nan how much can, how much can she buy from Cal- outside of minnesota from wisconsin it can't restrict wisconsin gra- grapes it is putting a cap on the uh, nan's importation of fruit and her growth of her business is your winery big? Can I come out and visit it sometime sure. in the spring? It's a little chilly now. I'd... It's a little cold and snowy now. The grapes uh, I don't want to come now. And, uh, <laughs> come yeah, in the spring. The wines are just aging. We'll open up in uh, April. We're just down in Hastings, so we're not too far. And it uh, truly is uh, transporting yourself to a whole other place to come. I love Hastings. It is so beautiful. Right on the I river. Have, yep. I have friends down there. It's just absolutely a gorgeous, gorgeous area. It's not that far. I travel a lot. So So my vineyard is beautiful. I've got 13 acres, and I'm very committed to my vineyard. However, I shouldn't be beholden to my vineyard. I should be able to have the choices of being able to make the wines that I want from the grapes that I want. From the products that you want to to use. Yeah, I agree 100. So who did you end up suing? We're suing the state of Minnesota, the Attorney General's office. The Department of Public Safety is the agency that regulates uh, uh, alcohol, and so uh, the commission. I've met them. The commissioners <laughs> in the in the wild world of uh, sovereign immunity, the commissioner is the named defendant on the case. But in Nan is absolutely right. For all practical purposes, this is this is a lawsuit against the state of Minnesota and the silly regulations that tell her 
She can't blend a certain amount. She can't uh, make wines the way she wants. There's a cap on what she can import. This is red tape taping her wrists and limiting her desire to create, innovate, and meet customers' demands. Exactly. Can we help you in any way? Come and drink my wine. I can do that. I can do that. Mm -hmm. Do you have like a place where we can drink there too? Oh, absolutely. So our tasting room is open and we sell our wines throughout the Twin Cities area. And I have a great reputation for the wines that I make because I'm a good winemaker. How many do you make? Oh, I make a dozen or more different styles, mostly red table wines. I, my father always told me, make what you like to drink just in case you're the one who's going to have to drink it. So, oh, very sound advice. And, <laughs> very, I think your dad and I would have got along real well, too. Very, And I drink red. So, yeah, I wish I would have known that go. before Christmas. When are we expecting the ruling to come down? We expect it by mid-March. Uh-huh. And we're optimistic. And if we don't get it, we'll keep fighting. All right. This is a great case. It not only benefits, it, it highlights, Sue, why are there restrictions on wine that there are not restrictions on beer? Exactly. A, a, one of these, these craft breweries here throughout the state are magnificent things. And they can bring in hops. and From other, anywhere. From, from anywhere. Nan should have that same right. Nan should have that same right. You guys keep us posted on what's going on here, all right? All right. Thank you both for coming in. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll tell you some other things that are happening in Minnesota. And I got a few Trump stories. And, of course, we one more time have to say, go Vikings. Stay tuned, everyone. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and com. so much for tuning in i really enjoyed having lee and nan in to uh to hear their stories and i don't think people understand how scary it is to sue government it really is scary and i am so um first of all i'm angry when when i realize that people have to sue government and have to sue politicians or bureaucrats uh it shouldn't have to be that way but it is that way and it is so easy to feel like the st- the deck is stacked against you and to know that we have people out there like pacific legal or like institute for justice or even like some of the uh, other attorneys that are out there who help us on so many of these areas because it is scary it is intimidating and well then of course you get the typical loonies on the left who come after you and lie about you and distort the truth and you remember me telling you about the story in in new brighton um yeah that was just crazy i have new brighton in the news too because someone else is suing new brighton no surprise uh i don't think we're going to get to that one today because i have quite the stack here i had some local stuff i wanted to get to i had some federal stuff i want to get to but i more most importantly right now i have some minnesota stuff that uh i i want to make sure you guys are well aware of um The governor's race, the 2018 election here in Minnesota is really going to be a crucial one, really going to be a big one. And I want you to make sure that you're paying attention to the candidates who are running for all the constitutional offices. It's easy to get wrapped up in a U.S. Senate race or in a uh, your local um, Tom Emmer's race or Eric Paulson's or Jason's or whoever's. But 
I want you to pay attention to everything on on the ballot, the governor's race, the attorney general's race. I brought in Doug Wardlow for you guys to talk to and to get to know and to listen to. He's running for attorney general, and, and he's exactly the kind of attorney general we need. I've talked about some of the crazy, crazy things that the, the Democrats are pushing for, and people aren't paying attention now, but I am. So every Democrat candidate for governor supports a gas tax increase. Really? Really? Why would you put a a regressive tax like that on the people of Minnesota? It's crazy. And now, because uh, the especially the Democrats, the Democrats are trying to uh, woo their their base. And you have Erin Murphy come out and she said, as governor, I'll move the fleet of state and met council vehicles to electric and invest in infrastructure to power an electric vehicle led state. What the hell? I mean, really? What is so pay attention? The nurses are running Facebook ads for her um Uh, on facebook so pay attention to what the other candidates are seeing what they're saying the things that they're talking about uh tune in and listen to my show and other people's shows when they talk about how crazy some of these candidates are and i want you to think that if you're not moving out of minnesota think of um think of what direction you want minnesota to take and how important it is that we get someone in these um political spots where we need them and who's going to lead us in that in the right direction um i was not surprised to see dave osmick drop out of the governor's race i think he would have made a great governor i don't feel like this was uh his time not that that it wasn't my decision. It was his decision. Uh, Dave's not going anywhere. He's in the Senate. One of the things that I missed when Dave was running for governor was his voice. His voice during the legislative session, his voice on the radio, his voice against the Met Council. When people start running for a different position, sometimes their focus is on on different things. And there are very few things I can think of that I disagree with dave osmick on but the one thing i'm really really happy about is dave's not going anywhere he's going to run for senate in 2020 and he will be able to help outline some of the important issues that are going on in the 2018 election uh shockingly the republicans finally got an auditor candidate uh pam myra you might remember her she was uh marty seifert's lieutenant governor pick i think um, she's a little timid for me. I'd like someone a little more outgoing, but you know what? Go Pam. I hope you win. I, I hope you win auditor that last week we welcomed our new Senator for the state of Minnesota, Tina Smith. Uh, it just, it just irritates me so much. Um, Tina Smith is sucking up all the headlines as every different media, mainstream media entity in the state writes puff piece after puff piece on senator tina smith um i I think she's going to have a tougher road than she thinks she's going to have um everybody was talking about amy klobuchar and amy klobuchar must have the greatest pr firm ever because you never see any negative press about um, about amy klobuchar well tina smith has wiped amy klobuchar off the map uh and i bet that's making amy a little bit mad so you know what, Tina Smith? Welcome. I'm going to work really hard to make sure you have a very, very, very 
short term as senator. She told us she was going to prioritize rural broadband, child care and paid family leave. I keep seeing in social media they're trying to push this um, label on her. They like to call her the Velvet Hammer. I laugh and laugh and laugh. I'm just like, give me a break. Who makes this crap up and why would you try to put that label on her? But the bottom line is Tina Smith, Amy Klobuchar, go away. Go away. You're a rubber stamp for the Democrat Party. Um, and, And you know what? Minnesota deserves better. So Tina Smith is going to be on four Senate committees, Indian Affairs, Agriculture, Energy, and Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. Those are all Franken's committees. Uh, Franken was on the Judiciary Committee, not the Agriculture Committee, um, but otherwise the they're all the same. He kept Franken's 50 employees, I'm sorry, she kept Franken's 50 employees in Washington, D.C., in Minnesota, and I'll tell you, She's already got some great political advice behind her because she's spending a lot of time in outstate Minnesota. She's going to have a problem because she's um, she's a Planned Parenthood VP. She's definitely a metro liberal. She's Dayton's right-hand man. Of course, the first law- woman, the first lawsuit uh, came against Michelle Fishbach. Uh, Governor Dayton, I've told you this before, all he cares about is chaos and in and, chaos. And, more chaos and disorder. So he didn't have to appoint Tina to that senator position. There were there's there's no shortage of liberals in the state of Minnesota. No shortage at all. And it's it's kind of funny that he picked her because then that meant the Republican president of the Senate moves up. It's the succession moves moves up. Uh, moves up to be the lieutenant governor. Well, Michelle Fishbach doesn't want to be the lieutenant governor. And, of course, the first lawsuit came in because the Democrats, they have a load of lawyers, too, and they are happy to sue on the drop of the hat, ask President Trump. Um, but they found a Sauk Rapids resident. Uh, it's a woman in uh, Michelle Fishbach's district. And they found a very good Democrat lawyer to sue to get her out of there. And this is weird because this, the Minnesota Senate is um 34 34 and so now you're going to have that battle and it's almost like the democrats have the majority even though the republican name is listed as the majority it's almost like the democrats are the ones the democrats are the ones who are in the majority because we have so many republicans who vote like democrats it's almost impossible to get anything done so where we need to concentrate in 2020 is getting rid of some of those squishy Republicans that we have in the Senate and get some more uh, Roger Chamberlain, some more um, Dave Osmix, some more, well, some more good ones in there, some that, that have a have a backbone. Um, we're also looking at 2018 because the Democrats in Minnesota just need 11 seats to take the Minnesota House so they have a DFL majority. I don't think that's going to happen. But let me tell you, the Democrats are working dang hard to make sure it does. And I'm wondering how hard the Republicans are working uh, because sometimes it seems the Republicans have to do things the hard way no matter what. So we have two special elections that are coming up next Next month in Minnesota to fill uh, legislative vacancies. You had Senator Schoen, who uh, stepped down in the Senate and in the House. You had Tony Cornish that that had to step down because of the uh, sexual allegations, which, by the way, 
you have a bunch of Democrats, uh, Democrat women legislators who are pushing for a task force on sexual harassment. B.S. We do not need any more task forces here. We certainly don't need one on sexual harassment. There are laws, procedures in place and and I am really irritated that in particular, who are we? Um, May Quaid is one of them out of Apple Valley. The other one is uh, Becker Finn. She's out of Shoreview. Uh, they are just push, push, pushing for this. And then somehow this Lindsay Port, her name gets in the mix there. She's not a legislator. She should have nothing to say about any of this stuff. And thankfully, thankfully she just announced she wasn't going to run for anything. And maybe those three Democrats should go address what's going on in their own Democrat party and let the legislators uh, behave like grown-ups and do the things that they need to do, which is not another tax task force on that but because of the sexual harassment which obviously the two resigned so i think there's still more that maybe could get out um but the now we have um now we have two special elections and we also have a gop primary so the two special elections senate district 54 in washington county it makes me angry this is one of my pet peeves they tell you senate district 54 i pay a lot of attention to politics i have no idea where senate district 54 is so somebody has to tell me that that's washington county or northeastern dakota county or um my own district okay i know my own district um but you but you you can't keep telling people these numbers you're at your average person has no idea what their House district is or what their Senate district is. So in Senate District 54, former state rep uh, Denny McNamara of Hastings and James Brungard III of Hastings are going to square off in a special primary on January 29th. That's really good. Uh, Denny McNamara votes like a Democrat a lot. And that I was really uh, disappointed when he won the endorsement. So you folks out in Washington County and Northeast Dakota County, I was really disappointed that you endorsed McNamara. That said, he's working very, very, very hard. Uh, James Brunsgard, I know him. Um, he's one of my Facebook friends, and I like a lot of his ideas that he's got going on out there, too. So whichever one wins out there will... Uh, advance to the February 12th special election um, in Cottage Grove. Oh, sorry. Um, the Democrats have been working very hard for theirs. And there's also a libertarian candidate in there now in um, House District 23, which is the Lake Crystal area, Blue Earth, Lesur, Wasika, uh, Wawaton, uh, what? No. Oh, I don't even know how to say that one. Um you're seeing um, a primary between Jeremy Munson and Scott Sanders. Kurt Doubt, they should throw your sorry ass out of leadership. Throw your sorry butt out of leadership. The the House Republicans in that district came in and endorsed Jeremy Munson of Lake Crystal. He did a great job. And on the very last day, the very last day, after Doubt's people had already talked to Jeremy Munson, this new guy comes in and files paperwork to to run in a primary. Scott, out of, out of St. James, you're being used, buddy. You're being used. And um, I might even have to go down and do some door knocking or phone calling for Jeremy Munson. Uh, I, that, that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. 
Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Um, I'm not done ragging about the legislature yet because do you know where the Senate bonding committee is the senate capital investment committee they're on a bonding tour they've got three billion dollars worth of requests already out there makes me so mad 2018 legislative session is going to be something to pay close attention to stay tuned sue jeffers twin cities news talk am 1130 and twin cities news talk.com everyone thank you so much for tuning in i'm sue jeffers this is the sue jeffers show i am really happy senator osmick's on the phone hi senator how are you doing hi uh senator limmer and i are out door knocking down in senate district 54 and you're saying democrats are working hard uh so are we i am and so I heard you thankful lament my exit so i thought i'd call in well, I did lament your exit, um, and I just said really nice things about you. But I also said, Senator Osmick, I am very happy that we're going to have your voice back because I felt like when you were running for governor, you were focusing on running for governor, and there are so many things going on over at the legislature that that legislator that needs to be exposed and it's everything from min lars to mincher to the spending to the met council to the oh my god so many things and i am really happy to have your voice back yeah and i'm still happy i'm there believe me i i, I enjoyed this some people will hate this process i really liked it i like talking with uh delegates going to these functions talking with good <laughs> people who are who are in the in the in the know and workers right worker bees. right and and i'm a worker bee you know me I, I was before i even got to be a senator i was a worker bee firing away at the at a, at a city council level and, and as an activist okay so no so... i'm happy to still be around and i will be running for governor running for senate in 2020 and i'm running for re-election and we'll see what happens We'll see where life leads me. Who says this is the end? This is going to be just the beginning. I hope so. And um, I know you're out there working hard for Denny McNamara. Can you slap him up the side of the head and tell him we expect him to move a little further to the right? Well, we are going to try and help him perhaps be a little bit more, certainly a little bit more conservative. Uh, you know, but Thank you. 35 votes is better than 34. That means that hostage takers can't so easily take hostages you know what i mean i i do but on the other hand if he votes with the other side what good is he well we're going to you know what denny's a good guy and i know I that's the will... problem I, I he's a nice guy <laughs> right and i think he will i mean i think he will be much more in line um who knows but you know what if he uh, you know president reagan had it all had said it the right way i mean if, if you agree with me 80 or 85 percent of the time you're not my enemy we just got to get that extra 15 percent when we can i think he's down about 50 percent but we'll save that for another day hey dave <laughs> i'd like yep. you now that you're not running for governor i'd like you to come on air sometime i have a huge list of of Minnesota issues, things that are going on in Minnesota, and it would be fun to have you weigh in. I think you traveling around the state to all the chicken dinners and to meet with all the grassroots people and to, to talk with all the worker bees, I think that is just so eye-opening. It really is a wealth of information of what people are thinking about there. Do you want to come in sometime? 
Absolutely. I love, I mean, that's what I get paid to do. <laughs> I get paid to talk. And I got to talk to so many good people from Two Harbors to Rochester to Marshall. Uh, it was a great experience. But I'll tell you what, we have got to start focusing on candidates. We can't, and that's why I really walked away, is that I could see the writing on the wall. There were a lot, can, Other candidates were getting much more delegate support. And let's face it, folks, uh, I'm not, I've never been, an, uh, I've always been a realist. I live in the real world, and I had a great time, and who knows what leads me on four years from now. But you know I'll be there fighting away, and yes, I'd love to come on one of these weekends. Uh, matter of fact, next weekend I could come on if you'd like, or the weekend after that, just as long as you uh, allow me to come out to 54 and keep door knocking. <laughs> yes, you can co- You can keep door knocking. And how about if you and I touch base this week and we'll figure out if this week works better or the next one works better? Because I'd be interested to hear about the door knocking, too. What do the people in that area care about? Did they pay attention to the reason their senator had to step down? Do they even know their senator stepped down? Yep. Have your people call my people and I'd be happy to come in. Okay. I don't have any people. But, okay, yeah, I'll call you. <laughs> Thanks, okay. Senator. Have fun You're door knocking. Fine. All right, yep. take care. Uh, yeah, that's just a, a – these two special elections, they're, go, they're going to be interesting. And if I remember right, whoever wins that Senate seat, it's only a two-year seat, whereas normally the Senate is a four-year seat. Uh, so we'll see. And I, like I said, I have a ton of Minnesota things I'm that that I think really, really, really – uh, people really need to hear about. Let's take another phone call. Kevin, you're up next. Hey, Kevin, well, welcome to the show. To the woman that makes wine here in Minnesota. Uh huh. I, I sh- required to use only Minnesota grapes. Right? Isn't the that crazy? Doing this is because they believe in global warming. Yeah, you know, you're not that far off, Kevin. Because remember, when this law went into effect, it was Tim Pawlenty, and he was. Mr. Green Jeans, he jumped on board with all that global warming stuff. And I think they I think people really know. um, I know Al Gore and Jim Hansen and all those guys told us that children in 2018 wouldn't know what snow was. Uh, We all know they're lying. And uh, yeah, but no, that isn't it. I think it's just a way to keep the thumb of government on them again. Isn't that crazy? I think they're going to win this suit. It's called, Sue, it's called Global, G-L-O-B-U-L-L. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. Thank you. Appreciate the comments. Global, B-U-L-L. Did you get it, Stan? Did you get it? I get it. Yeah. So I'm mad at the legislator. The session doesn't even start until the, towards the end of next month. But you've already got legislators touring all over the state of Minnesota on a bonding tour. When Osmic comes in, Osmic's going to come in this week or next week, Stan. We'll figure it out this week. Um, and and one of the things I want to talk to him about is just how many bonding bills are we going to have to have? How many bonding bills? Huh? They've already maxed out the state credit card, but they're just going to keep doing it. And then I want to talk about Minsure. Now, the deadline for tomorrow on Minsure um because the state extended how long you had to sign up for uh, the government-funded Obamacare. And Minshew's been tweeting all week long about how, hey, if you live in Bemidji or Beltrami County or all these different areas, you could receive $11,000 a year in tax credits. Folks, it's not affordable. 
we're picking up the tab. The, the price of insurance, not care, insurance is so expensive that for people living in Worthington or Noble County, we're forking over $11,200 a year so they can have affordable health care. This has got to stop. We have to do the math. We have to start explaining the consequences of what's, of what's happening uh, to through some of these programs that Democrats have put in place. It is just absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to keep my stack here uh, for when um, Dave Osmond comes in next week. I think that's going to be really, that's going to be really great uh, to hear an update from him. I didn't even get a chance to talk about Ellison and how the media covered for him. Um, That's okay. Read John Gilmore's story on media bias. The Canadian headline said, Ellison embraces Antifa violence against Trump. Here in Minnesota, they said Ellison draws criticism. Whatever. That's your media, people. I don't care. I'm ready for the Viking game tomorrow. Yeah! Yeah, let's go! And I'm putting my Viking hat on as soon as these earphones come off, and I can't wait, so go Vikings and make me proud. See you next week, everyone. Thank you, Stan. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.